New on Curiosity Stream. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Kim Kardashian. Tycoons are in many ways the lifeblood of society. They are willing to put everything out there. They're willing to lose everything. See how the super elite use their money and power to shape our lives on Tycoons. Plus, from Japan's unbreakable super code to the algorithm mining your Bitcoin, we're breaking down the world's most famous encryptions on cracking the code. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Okay, hopefully that'll do it. Okay, Mr. TK, good afternoon. Oh, how are you, Daryl? Almost got to say good morning. I'm good. How are you? Great. Long weekend. Uh, last weekend of the summer. It feels like the most normal part of the summer. I don't know if you agree. Not a far cry from what it did you know, last year around this time, but it feels like summer's coming to an end. School's about to start. I, I feel like I know where I am in the year. Yeah, I uh, we uh, we don't really know what's happening with the online schooling, so it's a little confusing at the moment. They still haven't mm-hmm. given us uh, dates or anything, really. All but, I know uh, is I know they're starting soon, so I'll, I not, I'm very excited to be able to go to bed at a reasonable time again because I'm mm-hmm. dying here. I mean, my kids are so old. And uh, not old enough to trust them to go to bed when they're supposed to. So we end up having to wait at least till my son wants to go to bed or, or mm-hmm. we force him to go to bed. So it's mm. like every day, 12, 1 o'clock is really starting to wear on uh, dear old dad here. The old joints there. I'm hearing, I'm hearing things like if they have even two cases of COVID in the schools that they're going to shut the schools down. I heard that they were going to try and localize closures before they I mean, shut the whole system down. But who the hell? Yeah. Kn- who knows? I don't think they know. No. I I definitely don't know. I'm going to guess For that sure. you don't know. I don't know. I know, know less than you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who the hell knows, but somebody yeah. knows what's going to happen at some point. We keep going. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of similar to the real estate market right now. Like everything's just going whichever way it wants to and we'll see what happens. Well, the only thing we know for sure is that, uh, you know, if certain things happen, there's going to be a reaction in the market. But if those things don't happen, then we're all just uh, going to be sitting on pins and needles waiting to see what happens. So it's going to be a lot of pins and needles, I'll tell you, especially if you're uh, trying to sell land. But uh, it looks like if you're trying to sell your house, at least last month, there didn't seem to be too many. Headline issues. news. Yep. Headline news. Record, record months uh, again here in August. And what and does it all mean, Daryl? You heard it here from TK's mouth that August would be rip-roaring compared to last year and keep up pace with July. Um, I don't know if that ended up being the case, but it felt like it. Well, let's talk about that first. So, I mean, I'm not going to toot my own horn here and say, you know, I, I called it because definitely there's some different factors Prices certainly uh, rose by a fraction of a percent month over month from August to July. Uh, But sales were down. I mean, sales were down 2.7% total number of sales uh, in August compared to July. Sales volume. So we didn't have that same number of sales. What about the actual dollars transacted? Where where did that land? uh, $7,000 higher. So less sales but more dollar value traded. Yes, Prices rose insignificantly in the month of August compared to July. Do we find that interesting at all? 
you know what? I mean, again, we're not seeing a rush of supply, so there's still competition. There's still bidding wars. People always seem to be confident in the real estate market going up. So if they saw that the house that they, you know, that sold in July went for X and they paid a few thousand dollars more 30 days later, Toronto Torontonians seem to be pretty pretty comfortable with that. So right? I guess, but so but I guess uh, less sales, more sales volume equals uh, higher price items are selling. Um, definitely. So we'll we'll unwrap exactly where all those sales prices uh, are coming from. I mean, a, a bottom line is there's less total transactions, which means that there was less buyers willing to buy this month, and listings and everything like that are starting to uh, go on the rise as well. Right. So even though we saw the price increase. Obviously, there is some factors that we're looking into, which is the uh, types of homes that are selling. Um, but also just, you know what, there's always just going to be a pressure on certain prices, certain areas, a lot of micro markets. Some areas just have been, you know, really, really low in inventory and uh, bidding wars were still popular. So people were going over and above what some of the July numbers were. I mean, in some neighborhoods, you could be $50,000, right? But on average, it ended up working out to being 7000 uh, also, what's kind of keeping that number down is condo prices and everything too. All these different markets that we have in the GTA. So we'll look at all that too. So, uh, so let's let's talk about the headline news, right? So the headline news: CP24, 680, Global, Toronto Star. You know, all the big uh, media outlets. Toronto housing market sets yet another all-time record as prices surge by twenty percent. Compared to, compared to August two thousand nineteen, exactly. Which right I, as we're as we're even just talking here, I'm looking at a statistic that shows. Oh, we got a visitor. Yep. Go ahead. I showed a statistic, or, or I'm looking at a statistic that shows average price August nineteen was seven ninety two. And the average price in August is nine uh, of 2020 is nine fifty one, but yeah, like to compare average price year over year for the same month doesn't make sense because they all the average price goes up month after month compared to the previous actual. But why sales. compare year over year then? Well, in an event like this, I guess it sounds really great, but well, I they do it all the time. But it's about I don't know. It's about headlines it's about sensationalizing the market the more people people buy when the market's going up real estate's a good investment when the market's going up when the market's going down everyone says don't get into real estate because the prices are going down bad investment isn't that when so the now, smart people buy the toronto sure and most people are not smart people that's right. why they say that i forgot about so that. toronto real estate board is hired by and paid for by whom the realtors Realtors. So who benefits from more sales in the greater Toronto area? The realtors. The realtors. It's a conspiracy, Daryl. Oh, my gosh. We're paying somebody to release figures on our behalf in order to generate more sales overall. Yes. Pretty smart, eh? They've been doing it for 100 years. This is their They just celebrated 100 years uh, last month. Well... I got a feeling there won't be too many more celebrations, but for now, <laughs> they can keep celebrating. But right? I mean, listen, 20%, what was it over last month, the average price? How much did it go up so from price, last price month? So prices went up less, less than a percent. 
it went up seven thousand dollars. So the nine fifty two. So you're talking about whatever, just just over half a percent. So that should be an important stat. I mean, it not going down in in this environment, I would say, is pretty substantial. But sales are trending down. Sales, sales are, numbers are trailing are trending down for sure. And listings are trending up. Yeah, it's uh, not a good recipe for. Right. Well, I mean. How how balanced are we? Like, what is our uh, sales? We're in a, to we're, in a we're in a seller we're in a seller's market still. So still. there's still not anything to be concerned about. But at the end of the day, you're still looking at an area of concern when more people start putting their houses on the market and more people uh, or less people are, are are able to be purchasing. And so we're talking about prices. So let's stick on let's stick with that. Um, the best figure that I always look at, I always really really like to focus on this. Um, this year is because what price range of homes are starting to sell. So compared to last year, we had August 2019, 159 homes over $2 million were sold. In 2020, there was 413. So it's a 266% increase in sales of homes and the largest sale price and in what, all of... So what's that price point again? Over what? Over $2 million. Over $2 million, we had a jump of... A hundred percent more sales. Two hundred and sixty-six more percent. Two hundred and sixty-six okay. percent. Almost three more. times the sales of homes over two million dollars. Wow. Well, That's so yeah. So and that ties back to what we were talking about before. Is that yeah? Yeah. The the amount of dollars transacted is similar, but it's taking less sales because people are buying the more expensive product. I mean that that's the only way that that can that's, happen. That's that's heavily influencing what the average price is. So that's why we're seeing twenty percent. Did the average home in Toronto go up twenty percent? It's a hard no. Right. It's a hard no. I mean, I can guarantee it on almost every single area. There's certain areas that are doing phenomenal. And I'm not going to say that this is like a consistent metric you should, you know, try to use or, or or to avoid. But it's not necessarily true for the average house. Right. So people have to understand where these numbers are coming from, who's releasing them. There's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics. Yes. So what are we looking at right now? Lies or damn lies? <laughs> <laughs> right? I so don't know about that, is, but okay. This is this is what it is, right? So when we're looking at pricing, we're trying to figure out exactly where the numbers are coming from, exactly what prices. And then what are we comparing to? We're comparing to last year. We're comparing to August the, the, like one of the, the, the slowest months in Toronto when everyone's at the cottage and relaxing and enjoying themselves and doing all the summer fun things. Everything's closed right now. You can't get anywhere. So, so yeah, of course, compared to August last year, we're going to see an increase in prices. So and where, that's why they do it. Where are we at like uh, year to date versus last year? For sales numbers, we're still down 5%. Down 5% with a pandemic... Yeah. Uh, officially from like an interruption middle of March. in the market. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty good for a pandemic considering things were shut down for the time. But the way I look at it is we still have time to make that 5% up too. We still have time to make that time up and that's, and that's great on the demand. So um, one of the questions I think I want to ask myself and, and you today to talk about is how has COVID impacted demand? How has COVID impacted supply? Mm-hmm. Right. And where do we see we go? Where do we see it going? Yes. Well, and then one other thing I want to point out, uh, and I don't know how this is going to tie in, but uh, like property on the market year over year difference, month to month, does that like 33 percent 
less days on the market to sell a property from August to August. Is that because people are around now and they're not normally around? Simple answer, yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, so where would you like to focus on the demand? Let's talk about demand first because supply is probably a little bit trickier. Demand seems pretty obvious. I mean, we keep talking about it. There's all the same factors, right? Yep. Immigration down, unemployment up. Um, Mortgage rates are low. I think, exactly. So I think we were heading into a boom year without COVID. And I think that sales would be drastically outpacing last year's total total number of sales. So I believe that the demand has decreased. Okay? For all those reasons that we've talked about. Pre-COVID demand has decreased. But okay, so but where do we, we, we were land? On track for a, we were on track for a crazy year. I mean, at the beginning of this year, we came out the gates hot. Right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're doing well. But overall, there's still 5% less sales. Overall, we know that there's people who aren't coming to the country. Overall, we know that there's people who are not able to, uh, to purchase because of qualifying reasons, because of their job losses and, and, and different types of situations like that too, right? I think that there's people who, are, who have decided to move um, during COVID because of, because of the situation, the pandemic. They're leaving condos. They're getting bigger spaces. For sure, there's, there's people who've decided to move because of COVID. But I think overall... I think we're going to still see an increase in sales this year, but we would have saw a much greater increase in sales overall uh, had COVID not happened in 2020. Yeah, and I think we're going to, we'll, we'll see more of it spreading out throughout the GTA, moving away from downtown and just kind of spreading itself through GTA and, I guess, surroundings. Sa- mm-hmm. Sales volume will probably stay relatively similar to last year. Or, I mean, listen... Any year over the last few years would still be a really good year for real estate. Yeah, you if have we, to look at where where 2019 was. I don't even know why we're always comparing it to previous years. It's like, this is a damn good year for real estate. I don't care where you are on the planet. Mm-hmm. People are making money. People are getting hurt. Like, it's it's pretty normal. So here are the numbers, okay? So... Uh, 87,000 sales in 2019. 87,000 okay. for year to the, date? Total sales for 2019, right? The whole year. Okay, so the yeah. boom the boom years were 2016, 2015. We had 101,000. We had 113,000. Yeah, those, so, those were good years. Those are anomalies. Like anytime I'm, I'm looking at anything, I try and take away the worst year and the best year and eliminate okay. them completely. Well, if I look at what last year was, was 87 compared to 2018 at 78, huge increase. But Good. compared to 2017, 2014, uh, 2015, 2016, the, the previous four years, actually last year was a low year. It was, it was probably on average a typical year. 2019 was where you're just under uh, 90,000, but by no stretch of the imagination was it a boom year. We were heading for a boom year based on the sales that we had in 2020. Um, so 2020 started off with 4,500 sales compared to 4,000 sales January. Okay, so we had a small increase in January. Yeah. February 2019, we had just under 5,000 sales. February 2020, pre COVID, 7,200 sales. Yeah. We saw the charts, like it was going we, we off the out, charts. We came out the gate hot way before COVID. So there was a there was a, a trajectory that was going to last throughout 2020 that would have put us up 
maybe 100,000 sales, who knows, but it's going to be a lot higher than it would have been last year. So all these comparisons to 2019, great, fantastic, amazing. But who gives a but crap? Who cares? What did your neighbor sell for last week? Okay, look at your home and decide how you compare to them and what the market's going to bear. So hold right? on a sec. So right now, if we kept the current pace compared to last year, you're saying that we would end up with a year of 82,000 650 units sold that's crazy ville roughly roughly yeah. and a, that's if we don't catch year. up that's that if would, we don't that would catch be the up. lowest year since 2008 yeah and it's still great years for real estate but we're heading into this like uh big unknown i don't know this the, the, i don't know like we don't even know how bad the deferral cliffs is gonna be Sure. I want to, I'll give you the update on that is they've got 500,000 mortgage deferrals that uh, will resume in October. Yeah. 500,000. How That's many a lot of people? I think it's even more the next month. And no, then, and then it, does it taper October's off each month? October is the, the peak. Okay. Yeah. So if, if those people aren't paying their bills, if those people decide that they're not able to afford any more payments whatsoever, you're still talking about a few months before a power sale could be issued. Like, there's still a process. So we wouldn't really see anything happen until the beginning of 2021 at the earliest. You know, we might see an increase in listings. We might see, um, you know, more uh, less pressure on the demand side. So prices aren't going to be rising as quickly, but people are still going to be selling for prices based off of, and people are still going to be willing to pay for homes uh, based on the prices that they are obtaining right now. Yeah. Right. Because we haven't taken away people's ability to buy interest rates are still going to be lower. They're still going to have the, the financing in place. Yeah. And when they find a house they love and the neighbor got X, they're going to pay the same within, so, within reason. Like not, it, it's not going to be X minus 10 or anything like that. It, 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 are we talking like one out of 10 houses here like that go up for sale? Like the, the, does one out of every 10 houses in an area reset the pricing in an area? What does that mean? Okay. So if I'm looking at um, wherever, North York, okay. Uh, mm -hmm. whatever pocket in North York. And I'm looking in that pocket and I see the, the comparable sales for the last three months. There's 10 of them. One of which, you know, is somebody had to sell, couldn't hold on for their price, needed the money, and they're an anomaly, right? They're mm -hmm. 50, 60, 70,000 lower than the market. There's still nine others that are in line with the, the trend, right? So yeah, yeah. How many out of 10 listings, how many of those are going to be people that are having mortgage deferral issues, employment issues. I mean, I know you don't know the answer, but e even if we're saying two out of 10, which is a crazy amount of people, does the market in Toronto not understand that that's what happened there? And do they, do they react to it? If you're a realtor and you pull up two anomalies that you know have to be you know, weird circumstances because the other eight are in line mm -hmm. and probably increasing with the market. What do you tell your clients about those two? And where do we set the price for our house now? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a complicated answer. Each, each scenario is really different. Um, generally speaking, I would say no, one, one sale is not going to affect uh, the area where the other nine sales are all getting a certain amount of money because again, everyone's going to set the price again and it's going to be based on what's available. And when a new buyer comes into the market, 
uh, you know, they're going to have to make a decision on what's available. And if not, then somebody else is going to buy it. So just because you missed out on that opportunity where there was a fire sale and the guy sold it for cheap doesn't mean that somebody else is forced to do that again, for sure. That's a very general answer. But there's also a lot of other factors that are going to come in, right? So, you know, other people may, you know, have different uh, representation where, you know, they may end up taking a, a, a smaller amount of money or they might be listing it at the wrong price or they may not be reaching the right buyer. So they end up effectively getting not as much because of that one sale. And then that can start a trend too, right? So there's just a lot of, a lot of factors, but I totally agree with you 100%. You can't just base all of your analysis off of one sale uh, to determine market value. Well, and I, so, so if I think worst case scenario, I mean, I can't imagine a scenario where more than 20% of the listings are affected by one of these factors, right? Mm -hmm. So if every two out of 10 sales that go through, like, I just don't see this being a stupid market that people are going to be like, no, 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 they got it for that. That's what I'm getting it for. Because the balance is not out of whack yet right? It hasn't gone into that buyer's market territory. And I mean, if, if, if things go okay, I mean, I read something today about how many millions of people have come across the Canadian border in the last couple of months. I mean, there's still mm -hmm. people coming in and I imagine it will be looser as time goes on mm -hmm. unless something crazy happens. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about unique properties and stuff like that too, this is where it's a little bit more important um, because there's only so many buyers, you know, certain price ranges in certain areas, certain types of properties, all that kind of stuff. Right. So if your neighbor lost their job and your neighbor's forced to sell their home and they're, they're, your neighbor's not being offered any more government assistance and your neighbor puts their house up for sale at the same time that you do and they're willing to take less, who do you think the buyer's going to choose to deal with? Right. The buyer yeah. goes and looks at both properties and one's priced lower or one of them, the agent saying, hey, we're motivated to sell. Bring any offer, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you as a buyer are going to choose a property that you can get the better price on. Right. But then the rest of the people will ignore that. Right. Well, what I'm saying is if it's a unique property and there's only so many of them right. available. Sure. Right. Then your price is going to be based off the last sale because there are no other sales. Right. So yeah. definitely I, I understand when you're talking about townhouses and all these cookie cutter type of houses. Yeah. It's, it, you need a lot more than just stuff. one sale. Yeah. Yeah. You need a lot more than one sale. But there are markets where that will uh, that will affect. So, but I, so that's something that people have to be cautious about. I think somewhere in what I'm saying is a point that like will it even if there is this big you know, uh, cliff looming, like, mm -hmm. is it really going to have that big an effect? But I guess it's like public sentiment gets crazy and everybody just starts sitting on their hands because of these idiots that write all these articles and create all these stats. So, so what do you think about the supply then this year for COVID? We know the demand must be affected. It's got, it's supply got, to, has got to be less people who can, who can be, uh, affected well there's definitely less okay so i mean Con condo market first let's do that take the take the easy route for that one condo market i mean i guess it depends where you are if you're in a 905 condo market it's going up with with inventory although i mean i don't see really very many launches at all right now downtown nothing outskirts like yeah stuff in niagara falls you know like mm -hmm. there's not much to really speak about but i would imagine that resale let's talk resale well, resale condo market, I mean, that's in your TREB numbers. That's all included, right? So that mm -hmm. for sure is going to take a little while to absorb all these Airbnbs and all that nonsense. 
So, so downtown Toronto, we've talked about it a lot on the show. Toronto's inventory has gone up because of COVID. Sure. Easy to see. Everybody and, and understands I, that. And I think developers are smart enough to not flood that market with new inventory and they can all, you know, wait uh, so that they can release it when, you know, they feel like they can maximize their investment there. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't see much coming online. I see a lot more low rise projects being launched all over the place. Again, mm -hmm. there's not, there's not much of that, if any in Toronto. Um, but inventory will have to go up. A and I think what, what's happening now is that buyers are, you know, all the local people are starting to you know, there's less competition from international investors. So maybe mm -hmm. they have a better chance. There's three or four offers instead of eight, nine, ten now. Um, and then that'll start to dwindle. Like the amount of uh, offers on projects will start to dwindle as more projects come on. But there's still like an adjustment that has to happen before we have a problem, right? Like mm -hmm. that demand and supply has to. So like right now, Supply is going to go up for sure. How long it's up and how long it takes to absorb, I don't know, because it seems like demand is still pretty strong. It's definitely weaning. Um, but there's definitely going to be another gap later on where we need more inventory when things start to normalize again. Employment numbers keep getting better. Things start to open up. Immigration opens up. There'll be a huge gap again. And so you know, everybody seems to think that prices are not going to be affected anytime soon. It just might mm -hmm. be the sales volume that gets affected. And then at some point, you know, no, no land is trading. So, I mean, that means no new applications can come, which means, again, there's going to be like this huge hole for new product. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how long this lasts. It really is going to be dependent on whether there's a, a second wave of this virus and the fallout of this deferral cliff. I mean, retail is going to be retail and entertainment will all just kind of follow all that stuff. If they open up immigration, then all of a sudden, like it, it seems like people are willing to go to whatever is open. Like there are people that are willing to go and whether it's within the guidelines, outside the guidelines, if the doors yep. are open, people just, are going in. Hockey, uh, we just got our hockey league uh, confirmed for October. What does that mean? You're at men's you league? Wear, you wear a yeah, you wear a mask into the arena. You wear a mask in the change room. Yeah. You respect everybody's social distancing until you get on the ice and you play the good old game. So my daughter's team, they've had those protocols in place. We got a call or an email last week saying somebody in the rink was exposed to somebody that had COVID. So all of a sudden it's like, uh oh, what does that mean? I, we talked about that, I think, you and I. Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, so anyways, it didn't really mean much. Uh, nope. the, those people are still on quarantine, even though they tested negative for COVID. But yep. so uh, my, they started the training camp this week with even mm -hmm. stricter protocols. And my daughter, uh, because it's like training camp and she's a goalie and she's been sitting around for a few months, she pushed herself really hard and she threw up, which is actually very normal for her at the beginning of training camps. Um, mm -hmm. But they sent her home and now they're like they don't want her to come back because they don't know. She's had a headache for a couple of days. She threw up. Her tummy was upset after she threw up. And they're like, um, you need to stay away for a bit. 
<laughs> uh, that's like the, the coach's proud moment from 2019 right like well and then you pushed it, yourself like good good for you 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 really you know you're stepping up a level listen last year i would have been at the rink i would have sent you home gonna send you home kid oh yeah no last last time it happened i was at the rink i brought my daughter garbage can over to the bench she threw up she mm -hmm. went back on the ice exactly now it's yeah. like 14 day quarantine just in case or go get that thing shoved halfway up your brain and see if you have it yeah. So again, you know, what we're looking at here is we're looking at all the variables that can happen in the Toronto real estate oh, board uh, yeah. and the market here in the city. And uh, sure. I mean, a second wave is going to have a, is going to have a huge impact, but will people's reactions be the same if those numbers start to go up? I don't think they will be. No, I think people, right? I don't want to get into the science and all that kind of health stuff, you know, with you on the show, but I really don't think people are going to react the same way. We, we all had this heightened level of fear when we started seeing things in Italy and China and it was just like oh my gosh that's going to happen here and it's going to be like Armageddon no we've been desensitized to this now so exactly. if, if a second wave comes it'll be like okay like let's uh Back, bring out the hand sanitizer again well uh yeah or whatever protocols you're sticking to um yeah. but yeah people will just kind of shrug it off it seems like the real estate market is shrugging it off and I think everybody, everybody's just waiting for them to open up the border so we can sell some real estate again. Yeah, big time. So <clears> there's <throat> lots of uh, lots of changes. What else do we got uh, today? Do you have any articles? I, I, I thought today was just going to be a specialty show, so I didn't pull any up, but I, I do have okay. plenty. Well, that's okay. We'll save the articles for the uh, for the next episode because there's a, there's a few good ones that I was looking into. There's definitely um, a few interesting things going on, that's for sure. But I mean... I think we touched on all of the important stuff going on. I mean, that's all the stuff that's going on. There's a couple of funny things like, uh, did you see that garage that somebody had outfitted as an apartment downtown and it's for sale for like one point something million dollars? They like so literally. Not a lane out? Yeah, but it's the garage. But it's literally, it's like just a rectangular garage that they mm. have like cleaned up, put a kitchen in, a bathroom. It's pretty cool. And You're only selling the garage? Yeah. And it's, it's or the house with the garage. No, just the garage. The garage just is the house. house. But <laughs> the garage is like it's bigger than a condo and you're on the ground floor. Yeah. There's we some, sold one of those a couple years ago. There's some perks. But yeah, I mean, yeah. more uh, landlord tenant fighting over unpaid rent going on. I see more lists of, you know, what, what businesses have gone out of business this week. Mm -hmm. But it's all kind of business as usual now 2020 2020 it's, it's gonna be a very different business as usual yeah garage home listed for one million dollars this is just fantastic and then i don't know like the banks all seem to be you know not in agreement with cmhc still cmhc mm -hmm. seems to think well, that all hell's gonna break loose and Sure. But let's talk about what the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions has decided now with yeah. the mortgage deferrals. Yeah. So if you applied uh, for the six months mortgage deferral prior to August 30th, you were able to still get it. You could still, as of a week ago, get your six month mortgage deferral in place. If you applied for it, but didn't take it. Exactly. So if you didn't, if you didn't know, if you didn't, if you didn't do anything but apply for it before August 30th. So on August 29th, you said, okay, you know what? Now I'm no longer able to handle my mortgage. I'd like a six month deferral. They're allowing it. I wonder how many after people August are in 30th, that camp. How many people would after, have done that? 
Well, maybe they held out as long as they could. So anyways, after August 30th to September 30th, if you apply, you'll get a three-month max deferral. And after September 30th, there will be no longer any option for the banks to provide a, provide a deferral that will be basically backed by the government, right? So, so, they, so they extended the deferrals? Is that what the, you just said three more months? No. So the, yeah, so there is a new, there's a three-month uh, deferral. That's if, only if you haven't applied at all. So you can apply at, okay. So if you applied before, you can still get the six, six months months deferral. Max. You got six months max. And if you started your six months in March, then it's going to bring you to September. October is now when your payments are going to be starting to be due. But if you apply now, you can apply. get three months still. And now you apply up until September 30th, you got three months. So this thing's never going to end. Well, you'd assume that those people would be in, in better shape than the people who might applied right away. I think right? if you I mean, get that's the assumption that... that everyone's making is the people who are struggling pre-COVID are the ones that we're, we're concerned about because COVID's only made it worse. People who are doing okay, they're starting to go, they have, they're, you know, they're starting to use credit. They're starting to exercise some of their options, blow through savings, all that kind of stuff too. They're going to be able to keep uh, their head above water a little bit longer. I, I don't understand what would be going on through somebody's head that doesn't have a job, doesn't have job prospects and hasn't put their house on the market knowing that like, I mean, is it rocket science that like uh, listings are going to go up and there's going to be more it's a funny, competition? It's a, funny, it's a funny thing. The people I've dealt with, unfortunately, um, and it's a, it's the really tough cases, the ones that I've had to deal with where people are no longer able to maintain their property and they've got multiple mortgages and stuff like that too. There's usually... Um, a string of hope that they hang on to that, uh, you know, everything's going to turn around. Sure. The market's going to get better. That job prospect's going to get better. They're, they're going to have a windfall and, and it's, you know, inheritances, things like that. Hmm. They've got this idea that things are going to improve drastically. And it's, and it's never like a very like, you know, objective type of, you know, point of view on their own finances. They're, they're very, very emotional, very, um, you know, I don't want to use this word, but, you know, they can be a little bit delusional as, delusional. as far as what the reality is in, in their situation. You got to so, be delusional to not have listed your house in that situation. If you get that that new, they should make it that if you apply for that new three month deferral now that you have to list your house. We'll give you that three months of non-payment, but you got to sell the damn no, thing. No, that's the last thing that they want to happen. No. The mortgage referral is there to help people to be able to weather the storm. We don't want people to have to sell their homes. Like, you're talking about some some people who've been in their homes for a long time, and they've got you know memories there, and they've had you know experiences there, and there are people who uh, you know just need a little bit of a break to be able to get through this, and they're going to be able to you know but the stay where they want to stay. I mean, the, people don't like to move. No, Nobody wants to move. The Canadian economy is so dependent on the real estate market continuously improving that like right now, I think if anything, they're stunting its growth by continually giving people money or, or, or uh, deferments on, on their payments, which is the same as giving you money, basically. Like, no, both, both, both measures are to... They're to um, soften the blow for the consumer, I get it, but they're destroying the ability of the market to actually be a market and to, to balance itself out. I mean, that's what it actually would do if you let it. Like we'd be finished this whole mess. Probably. We couldn't. We couldn't. Yeah, we wouldn't come out uh, the other side of that one. So, no, the government's doing what they can to to keep people from putting their houses on the market and to keep buyers entering the market so that 
um, keep on getting them to enter the market so that we can have uh, growth in the real estate sector because that's where our economy's been based off of for a long time and, and where, you know, we'll continue to be able to thrive. You know, and that's just that's that's Canadian, right? Like we talk so much about Toronto, but there's other parts of Canada right now not doing the same, sure. uh, the same things as yeah. us, right? Where there's people who just don't have enough equity in their home to even sell. Like, what do you say to them? Sorry. Everyone should just claim bankruptcy. Well, I mean, listen. Or should you say, hey, why don't we give you an opportunity to keep on making those payments? Why don't we give you an opportunity to stay in your home, to refinance, to look at better options, to have a lower interest rate on on, on what you're paying? And then maybe things do get better. And maybe one day you will be able to sell and pull your equity out and not claim bankruptcy and have seven years of, you know, issues on your credit bureau, right? So I think they're doing everything they can um, not to stimulate the Toronto real estate market through the roof, but to protect the rest of uh, Canada. Right? And that's been the issue with Toronto for forever, is anything that happens in Toronto to, to like when they introduced the stress test to calm down the Toronto real estate market, it hurt everybody else. Right. And now they're trying to, to boost everybody else up and it's putting fuel on the fire in Toronto. It's just, it's just one of those situations that, you know, you, and you can't really manage it well. Like it, how do, how do you impose financial policy uh, in, uh, you know, from a federal level, but, but say, you know, it doesn't apply to, you know, one or two different cities or one or two different regions or parts of one or two different provinces. Sure. No, well, I mean, you, you get, uh, Toronto, yeah, but it's so... You'll get financing would, from somewhere else. <laughs> if you tell me I can't do it here, I'll go get it from somewhere else. Right. It's just so far yeah. out of balance. Like you're comparing a, a 7 million person city to, you know, 600,000 person cities. Exactly. And that's what the government's always doing is they're trying to balance. But how do you how do you invest in anything when you just there's so many unknowns right now? How 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 does anybody invest in the future of Canada or Toronto? Consumers? No. Well, I mean, consumers at some point, they won't have options to 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 purchase other than resale because there'll be Mm -hmm. nothing to buy. Right. Like there's already basically nothing to buy which fuels demand when things launch. But if land is not transacting because people are nervous, um, there will be nothing to buy. Like we're, we were already in full-blown crisis on multiple levels going into this thing. We can't mm-hmm. possibly all of a sudden be out of that crisis. Like there, there, we'd have to be... I agree, I agree. Right, like we'd have to have no supply for so... Or sorry, oversupply for so long. And even now, with a pandemic, we're not in oversupply. Mm-hmm. I get it. I, I, see, I know what you're saying. And on the land side, I agree with you. We need more housing. We need more supply. There's going to be uh, a ton more people coming here. The borders will open up. We just we need someone more... to buy my property. That's really all I care about. <laughs> we are going to have more job growth. But again, it just depends on when people are exiting the market. So, you know, if you're looking at selling a property and you're looking at getting out in the next two years... And then we're going through these these changes. Then you might be looking at selling sooner because of the way that the market's changing. You could end up selling for a lot less if more people start flooding the market with with supply before we're able to keep up with all those areas of demand like we've talked about post COVID. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I agree. 
If you're looking at long term, you don't need to go anywhere. You're trying to buy uh, real estate, hold on to real estate, inherit real estate, whatever it is, then yes, long term, we will always have an issue with supply. And that's never going to change in, in a city like Toronto. It's the fastest growing city in all of North America. Okay. And there's like, I don't know what the, the total population is, if it's, if it's 8 billion now or not, but there's a lot of people on this planet. Okay. And not everybody's lining up to come to Toronto, right? But more and more people are each day. Enough. More and more people are 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 having the Canadian dream. So, sure. like, that that's existed forever. But it was in a very very small small part of the world's population. Most people are actually very happy in the city and country that they live. But as the rest of the world seems to be decaying, and there's all these other issues going on, there's a lot more people who are getting the idea of where can I go that's stable. And Toronto just has all those all those factors in it. Yeah. You got language, you got cultural, you got uh, stability, you got, you know, with our housing, like you just have so many amazing things that people can um, be comfortable with making that change, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to another country that didn't speak good English and that there wasn't going to be a lot of people that, you know, were um, of, of like mind to me because I would feel like, you know, like that's going to be a very foreign place and I'm not going to fit in and I'm going to have all these insecurities about how I look and what I say and what I do and all these kind of things too. Well, that's the same with everybody else. But in Toronto, you don't have to worry about that because there's people that are from your culture, demographic background or whatever that have set up a community here already for decades and you're going to be able to jump right in there and then enjoy all the benefits of of the city that we have it's 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 a, it's a remarkable place it's a, it's a good... long-term toronto numero uno to all of our mexican clients mexican and spanish-speaking Spanish uh, uh, subscribers yes <laughs> we are on fire we got another sub speaking yeah, of which if you enjoy yep. our content and you uh, would like to get future content from us please subscribe and hit the bell Yes, I'm sure they know how to subscribe on YouTube. Well, you wouldn't be able you to tell from the, the statistics. Number of subscribers yes. we actually had. <laughs> These are real statistics, not lies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Well, let's, TK. Call, let's call it at that, Daryl. I, yes. I really appreciate it. Long weekend. Uh, enjoy yourself enjoy, at the cottage. Enjoy some time away, and uh, things will be back to uh, quote-unquote normal next week with your bedtime and uh, me dropping off my son in the morning to school, which is great. Excellent. Well, you enjoy yourself. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Joe. See ya. Amazon's got everything you need for your dorm. From everyday essentials and school supplies, to clothes and decor, to bedding for power naps. And regular naps, too. Save on all things college at Amazon.